roll along with it and don't realize where we've drifted to. I don't know if you've ever um, been in a boat on a on a stream or even a lake. Maybe you're on a lake fishing and you're not paying attention and all of a sudden you look up and, man, I've drifted clear over here. How did I get over here? It, it just happened so gradually. And then when you wake up and see that, it's like, whoa, okay. <clears throat> I think many times in the world we live in, there can be two extremes. Um, I often, and perhaps more often than need be, but I'll use a pendulum approach. And the two extremes then go in conflict with each other and kind of feed each other. There's the... The one extreme that says, I don't want to know anything that's going on anywhere. I just want to live my little life and be happy. There's the other extreme that wants to know everything and sees a problem behind every solution. You know what I'm saying? And and there are those those extremes. But you... You have to be able to look at life and say, what in the world is going on? And Paul could have looked at life and said, what in the world is going on? I'm trying to serve God. I'm put in prison. But as you know, and as we read, he kept a good attitude. He was trying to bring them back to realize what was important to keep the focus And honestly, I find myself many times being the pendulum going from one extreme to another. And today my goal is to eventually get us to truths that we need to remember in the midst of the world that we're living in. Um, The world that we're living in just since October 7th, we've seen such an increase in worldwide hatred for Israel. I mean, we've seen it in our own nation, people protesting against Israel and for Hamas and and free Palestine, and it's like, What is behind all that? Well, what is behind it is ultimately Satan hates Israel and anything of God. And uh, that's what's behind it. But you look at our world, all this um, division that is is fomented and and brought into our world and and, um, it's like... It's like it's encouraged. And really it is, because if you'd, if you'd look, and again, this is all the device of Satan. He, he loves to pit and create the image of oppressors 
against oppressed and victim mentality. And if you go into it, we won't go into it this morning, but that's the Marxist method of operation. So you look and you think, why, why are they stirring this up? You look at the, the society we're in that it's a bold statement to say men cannot give birth to children. That's a bold statement? I mean, how did we get here? Um, you look at what's gone on in the, in the last few years. And, and we have been lied to over and over and over again. Lied to about COVID-19 and vaccinations and climate change and ivermectin and voter fraud and January 6th and CO2 pipeline and I'm not going to go in, but if you, if you think that's um, conspiracy theory and you want the facts, see me afterwards, okay? But we've been lied to about all of those in certain regards. And my point today is not to chase down all of those lies because, and I hope I haven't ostracized some of you today, but already by what I've just said, but it's the truth. And we can get angry about it and, and we can become frustrated about these things. And, and it is frustrating and we could go on and on. Don't even bring up the border. Well, I brought it up, so I'm going to go there, okay? That is an open invasion on our nation and we just go on like everything's okay. It's not okay. It is, it is an open invasion on our nation that will eventually be manifested. I read yesterday that immigrants receive more benefits now than all the people on welfare in our nation. Even if that's even to even, even if it's half, you can't continue with that. Now again, it's easy to get wrapped up about these things to the point that we become distracted, angry, and not fulfilling what God has left us here to do. But, on the other hand, to think that, and thankfully, we are, we are pretty normal here in southern Iowa, as far as, regardless of what Nikki Haley might say, um, we live a pretty normal life, and it's easy to think, Hey, let's just go on with with life as it is. But biblically speaking, I I don't have 
a lot of reason to be optimistic about our nation other than an intervention of a spirit-sent revival from God. We cannot shake our fist in God's face as a nation and expect things to go well. A number of years ago, Jim Nelson Black wrote a book, When Nations Die. And, and he, he recorded ten characteristics of when nations die. And I'm, I'm just going to quickly go through these. I'm putting them up on the screen so that you can see them. But I want you to think of, of this in regard to our nation. Number one, there will be a crisis of lawlessness. He went back and studied civilizations through history, and he said, these are ten characteristics of civilizations that crumbled. A crisis of lawlessness, a loss of economic discipline. I have no idea what the average indebtedness is in personal debt in our country, but it's astronomical. Loss of economic discipline. Rising bureaucracy. I'm, I'm not. I'm going to try to avoid the temptation to go and chase down these rabbits. All right. Number four, decline in education. I saw. I forget what year it was. An eighth grade test to pass, graduate from eighth grade. I think it was in late 1800s. I couldn't pass it. And honestly speaking, they were much more educated across the board. I'm not turning this into homeschool, public school. Don't you turn it into that. We are much less educated than they were a hundred years ago. Decline of education. Weakening of cultural foundations. The cultural foundations of the family, the church, of honoring authority. Number six, a loss of respect for tradition. The pulling down of statutes in, in our nation is one little example. Increase in materialism, rise in immorality, that is self-descriptive. Decay of religious belief, there are, there are few, fewer people that, and I know everything doesn't fall on attending church, but fewer people attend church now in our nation than ever before. And number 10, the devaluing of human life. Now, we can, with this, wring our hands and say, oh no. But the Bible is full of examples of individuals that lived in times worse than we live in and faced adversaries and adversities much worse than we face. And God gives us those examples that we could learn from them. Joseph is an example. 
you talk about facing adversities, and and again, we don't have time to go into each of their lives, but throughout it, the Lord was with him. Daniel and the three Hebrews. I mean, think of it. Those of you that have teenage boys, think of it. Your boys kidnapped, taken to a far country. They didn't know the language with a pagan god and put in that country. And they kept their faith in the true God and they stood regardless of what went on around them. We don't read that they felt sorry for themselves. We don't read that they gave up. We think of Esther and Mordecai and how the open attack against them and their people. And we could go on and list many more, but the Apostle Paul, the adversity that that he went through and what he experienced and people honestly, purposely trying to kill him, thinking they did kill him and left him for dead. And yet he's able to write letters like this to other believers to encourage them. So I say all that to say, regardless of where you are on the pendulum, These are some truths that we're going to list, four truths that we need to keep calling ourselves back to, to be effective in whatever may come in this year. I find it, I find it interesting that in, in the last month, I have been reading from secular, completely secular sources Things along the line that there's a very strong probability that there'll be a black swan event in 2024, meaning economic major upheaval. And I'm thinking, this isn't some whacked out right ring, right ring guy can't even talk, right? Right wing guy saying that this is, this is coming from completely different. And I'm thinking, why are they saying that? I mean, what are they seeing? And it's easy then to go chasing after it, but it comes back to, okay, how does God want me to respond? Number one truth to remember, I am in a war. This is a spiritual warfare This is a battle that has gone on since the very beginning of creation. Look who showed up immediately in the Garden of Eden to bring destruction. And Satan's plan is unchanged and he will not cease. And lest you think we're facing unique times, there's nothing unique about what we're facing. This has gone on in, in times past. Oh, some of the technology may be different, but it, it is spiritual warfare, and we are, we are the participants in it today. And, and we need to understand that our strength 
does not come from our own determination. Our strength does not come from our constitution, although I believe in our constitution and I believe it's been trashed and and people are still trying to bring damage to it even more. But our strength comes from our personal relationship with God. And we must understand, I don't know what 2024 holds. And and there may be nothing happens, and that that'd be great. There may be great chaos, but I know this. The number one thing we need to do to prepare is have a close personal walk with God. This is spiritual warfare, and I don't have it in and of my own wisdom or my own strength to do anything. And the song we sang, Lord, I need you. I need you when the storms of life are calm. Most of us, nationally speaking, have lived when the storms of life have been pretty calm. Now, there are storms of life not nationally speaking. There are storms of diseases and loss and and, uh, financial reversals. And there are many other storms that come in life. But to realize, Lord, I need you. There, there, is a, there is an adversary that the Bible says goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And just because I'm sitting in church today doesn't mean he won't devour me. And just because I come from a Christian heritage doesn't mean I won't be deceived and led astray. And in understanding... Um, It isn't like, oh, woe is me, we're living in these last days and all this stuff's going on. No, God God knows all that. And this isn't anything new. This isn't anything um, that those that have gone on before us are, are looking down from heaven thinking, oh my. In, in fact, I I envision sitting down in heaven, perhaps next to Joseph and him saying, so what was it like serving Christ down there in 2023, 2024? Oh, man. What will I say to him? Nothing compared to what he went through. I mean, we we got peop we elected people to office and they didn't do anything. Really, Joseph will say. My 401k, I lost half of it. Really? Did you lose your family? I mean, what are we going to say? It's not like poor us. We're living in a time that. The world has never faced and Christians have never faced. No, Christians have faced this, but God is greater than he that is in the world. And we need to understand it's warfare. And secondly, we need to understand it's not about me. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 
6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And notice verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? For you were bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You are not your own. We are not our own boss. It's not about God is here to make my life good. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 15. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He's talking to them about being reconciled to God through Christ Jesus. And verse 15, 2 Corinthians 5:15, And he, Christ, died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for Him who died for them and rose again. It's not about making life comfortable for me. It's, It's not about me. It's not about what I'm going to go through. It's about glorifying God. And this requires, in this that's going on, it requires us to die to self. That's why every day I read one of the seven laws of dying to self to remind me that it's not about me. And I continually have to battle. Self is continually climbing on the throne of my heart. And we get upset about what's going on in the world because it's making, it may make our life more difficult. But wait a minute, it's not about me. Joseph's life became much more difficult, but it wasn't about him. It was about preserving his people which he had no clue that it was. Paul gave an illustration that it's not about him. He's writing to believers to encourage them. And it wasn't a letter, boy, this this prison is horrible and, and they're mistreating me and and I just tried to obey God. It wasn't about him. It wasn't about Esther preserving her life. It was, this is what I need to do, and if God preserves me. The three Hebrews, we know that God can deliver us from this fire. But if He doesn't, that is fine with us because it's not about us. I, I fear that many times our concerns for our nation is all about us. It's not about me, but we need to realize, thirdly, that I have a God-given purpose to which I am accountable. Back in Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 20. 
According to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed. So Paul is saying, whatever comes in my life, I don't want to be ashamed, but I want with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ. I want Christ to be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. That's his purpose. It wasn't about me. No matter what comes, if things turn around and liberty and justice for all and prosperity, I want Christ to be magnified. If it doesn't, I want Christ to be magnified, no matter what happens. He says, why? For to me, verse 21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I want Christ to be magnified in my body, in freedom or bondage, in life or in death. And it's understanding I have a God-given purpose. I have, every one of us has a God-given mission that, I will be held accountable for. So God knows me. We mentioned last Sunday he designed us all differently. Two ounce, 32 ounce, whatever it is. He's designed us differently. He knows us. And he knows what he's called us to do. And I can rest in the fact that God knows. God knew what Paul was going through. And I can rest in the fact that it's not about me and God has a God-given purpose for me to which I am accountable. My purpose is not to have a comfortable life. My purpose is not to save America. It's not to just take care of my family. My purpose is to glorify God in taking care of my family, in standing for what is right, in living a day-to-day life. And in understanding, okay, I have this God-given purpose, and God knows me, He'll give me the grace, whatever He's called us to, He is faithful to equip us and do it. 1 Thessalonians 5.24 Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. That was a verse that just went through me like like a shot. I was resisting God's call to the ministry and said, I can't do it. I, I'm not able to do it. And I had all these reasons and, and one day in Bible reading, it was like, faithful is he that calleth you, who also will do it. God's called us to this time. I don't know what's going to happen in this year, but God's called me to it. He's called you to it. We're living in it. And we can live to the glory of God. And we will give an account how we've lived in these times. So don't. Don't waste your time fretting about the times and acting like a victim. We are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. 
And you have a purpose. And I, I was thinking of this. If my purpose is to make a difference in one person's life, I want to be faithful in making a difference in one person's life. Because that's what I'll give an account to. And in understanding that. And so, by faith, I need to rest in the promises of God. By faith, I need to rest in the promises of God. In, in all these things that are going on around us. This last week, reading Proverbs 3, it just struck me. I don't know how many times I've read Proverbs, but verse 25 this week really hit me. Do not be afraid of sudden terror, for the Lord will be your confidence. Wow, that's a good one. You hear black swan, this happening, this happening, all this stuff going on. He says, I've got a purpose for you. Do not be afraid of sudden tear, for the Lord will be your confidence. See, by faith, it's resting in the promises of God. It is faith that overcomes the world. It's believing God. Hebrews 11, he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of them that diligently seek him. So it's resting in his promises. You may not see it, you may not feel it, but I know that God's grace is sufficient. So regardless of what comes, God's grace is sufficient. I've shared many times before, I was challenged by visiting Rami, the pastor in Damascus, in the midst of a war-torn nation, water only once every 10 to 25 days, things going on. That guy had more joy. He was a testimony to me that God's grace is sufficient. And it was like, oh, me of little faith, I don't need to fear. If, if, if God is faithful to Rami in the midst of that situation. And I said, I said to him over dinner, I said, Rami, you know in the Bible it says that Damascus will be wiped out. He says, I, I know it says that. I said, what's that make you think? He said, I know this is where God wants me to be and I want to be doing what he wants me to do if it's during my time that he wipes out Damascus. And I thought, man, oh man. That is living by faith, resting. He said, I know this is what God wants me to do. And I know that he'll provide. His grace is sufficient. It's resting in the promises of God. Every word of God will be fulfilled. And the aspect of what's going on in the world today. Well, if you start looking at it through biblical perspective, you've got all these nations that want to wipe Israel off the map. But I know God's Word says that's not going to happen. 
So it may look like it's going to happen. But I know what God's word says, and God's word is truth. I know that God said certain things are going to happen. Whether I see how they're going to happen or not, God's word is truth. So I want to, I, I want I want to encourage each and every one of us to come back and realize whether you're head in the sand or the devil behind every bush, whatever. I don't mean George W. Bushes either, okay? I, sorry about that. Um, the reality is we need to come back and live in truth. And we need to be balanced in, and committed that nothing is going to move me from the Word of God. And then it's the Word... And our walk in the Spirit that will teach us how to live in this life. And, and again, yes, there are things that, that we need to stand up. But the most important thing is our personal walk with God. And not to be blown out of the water by one extreme or another extreme, and maybe not even extremes, one truth or another truth that is very concerning. I mean, it, it is very concerning, the, the abuse of liberty that's taking place in our nation. And it is very concerning, but at the same time, my eyes are fixed on Christ. And understand, I'm in a war. It's not about me. I have a God-given purpose because I am a child of God. My favorite verse is 1 John 4.4. 4. You are of God, little children. I love how I can identify with being a little, little child. Weak helpless. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. All of that. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And that should encourage us. Oh, look at all that's going on in the world. My God's greater. And he has a purpose for me right here. And the purpose might be in your own family. The purpose might be your neighbor. The purpose might be someone you work with. The purpose might be to be raised up like an Esther to make a difference in, in a grand manner. Or it might be in one person's life. That's a grand manner. And realizing, <clears throat> I, I need, <clears throat> excuse me, I need not fear. God knows everything going on. He knows every detail. He knows what He's designed me for. I can't say it any better than the songwriter said, O oh God, our help in ages past. Joseph, Esther, Job. O oh God, our help in ages past. Our hope for years to come. 
our shelter in the stormy blast, and our eternal home. Before the hills in order stood, or earth received her frame, so before creation, from everlasting thou art God, to endless years he's always the same. Under the shadow of your throne, thy saints have dwelt secure. The Bible gives us examples. History gives us examples. Under the shadow of the Almighty, the saints have dwelt secure. Sufficient is thine arm alone. It's only in Christ. And our defense is sure. What's our defense in? It's in God. Then he closes a song. We need thee now as never before. We mourn the wisdom that's gone. Isn't that true? Transform our land forevermore by redemption through your Son. Lord, I rejoice that you are our help from ages past and now for today and for ages to come. And Lord, I pray that we would not be distracted or detoured from the mission you've given each and every one of us. And I pray that we would have a renewed faith and dependence on you. And that we would understand that you have a definite purpose for every one of us. And I pray that you would use each and every one of us as instruments to bring revival. To bring a turning to you, even if it's one soul. Lord, you said there's joy in heaven over one soul that repents. And so, Lord, I don't know the hearts here today. There may be people so discouraged that... They think there is no hope. I pray today that they would be encouraged to know that you know, that your grace is sufficient, that you will never leave them nor forsake them, that you will empower them. And Lord, I pray for those that are filled with fear. I pray that they would know the comforting peace of resting in your promises. Lord, I pray for those that have just cynically withdrawn, said nothing matters. God, I pray that they would be overcome with the fact that they're going to answer to you for what they've done with every day that you've given us. And Lord, I pray most if there are individuals here today that have never come to you for forgiveness of sin, Lord, I pray today that your Spirit would draw them and they would know your will and your forgiveness through faith 
in Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you that we are not left without hope. I thank you that you know exactly the situations every one of us face and that you are at work. And as Paul wrote to those at Philippi, we are confident that God began a good work and he will continue it. Lord, thank you that we can rest in that promise. And may our attitude be that of Paul's, that you would be magnified in our lives, whether it be by life or by death. Lord, may we be strong in the faith for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.